This is the Dive Bomb Squadcast, presented by Dive Bomb Industries. What's up, guys? Hope everyone is doing well. Hopefully, utilizing some of your extra free time and the great outdoors with your friends and family. Um, here in the South, we're starting to warm up nicely, and me and Forrest were talking. The fishing's been good whenever we get a short period of you know without a bunch of rain but uh, i know a lot of you guys are still dealing with uh, temperatures on the colder side but soon enough we'll all be able to get out in our our new brewski beach honker tanks and tees and get a little tan on our arms so today we are joined by our very own uh, a man of many talents mr forrest carpenter Forrest, you guys starting to thaw out yet there in northern colorado yeah, finally. Oh gosh, seems like uh, about yesterday the snow finished melting. We had a, about a week and a half where we got a foot and a half of snow here, and you know it's the middle or end of April. So yeah, it's uh, it's been kind of chilly and kind of put a damper on on some of the fishing we had going on. But we got a few more lakes thawing here, so that's coming up here soon. It was funny. I saw you posted a video the other day, and there was a little pocket of of snow geese. I don't know, maybe like twenty five of them or so. And uh, they were just kind of easing themselves away. And um, you're like, yeah, man, you know, it's, it's, uh, it, it blew me away seeing the snow on the ground. Just, I don't, I don't know why that blew me away, but just being like mid to late April and seeing snow on the ground and a little pocket of snow geese, it was like, because the other day here, it was almost, I think it got up to like 88 or 90 degrees. And then that was like a couple of days later, I saw that video. I thought that was hilarious. Oh yeah. Yeah. It was, I thought it was kind of hilarious too. In fact, I actually saw them out there the day before, but I just kind of shook it off and assumed they were seagulls because they're, I don't know, 60, 80 miles at least from where they ought to be. And, uh, you know, to have that little pocket of snow geese tucked up right up against the mountains where we don't ever get them was just crazy. Uh, and, and they didn't want to leave either. You know, we'd have helicopters flying right over them, then flush up, go out, do two or three S-curves and sit down in the same spot. I just, I, I couldn't wrap my head around it. It was weird. That's hilarious. So what have you been doing lately, man? How, how you been spending most of your time this spring so far? You know, with with all the the virus stuff going on, I've obviously been in the house a lot more than uh, than usual. Been, you know, doing the airplane nerd thing and building model airplanes and hanging out with the dogs. And I I don't know how they're going to adjust when we have to go back to work because they are absolute princesses right now. But um, you know, things are things are good. Just having a great time catching up with Brooke, and you know, she's she's got kind of a tough role being married to me with me being gone for four months, five months out of the year flying float planes, and then I come home, and I mean, you, you know, our schedule better than anyone. It's pretty crazy, and only looks to be getting crazier. Uh, you know, it seems like we're we're gone three weeks out of the month, so I'm not home a lot, and it's uh, working out really well that. Brooke and I get to spend this time together. So trying to make the most of that. And then I actually just got bit by the turkey bug just recently. And that has been my recent obsession. Um, between, you know, spending hours and hours on YouTube, looking up calling videos and, and learning how to do that, 
getting decoys and trying to find places, uh, you know, to get permission. I, I filled my, my tag here in Colorado and we only get one bird here. So, uh, now it's, now it's trying to either go elsewhere and chase them or trying to get permission to go take pictures. And, and I'm, I'm all messed up over that. So been doing that. And, uh, now the ice is off, like I'm saying, or starting to come off on some of the lakes down lower, uh, as you go up higher in the mountains, obviously it takes longer for the ice to melt, but, um, right after ice off is a great time to be chasing some of the real big, uh, still water trout. And, um, you know, that's, that's a blast, but you know, I, I'm kind of spoiled with fishing in Alaska. I, I, I enjoy fishing one way or the other, but I really love chasing big fish. And this is kind of the time of year where we get to go and, and actually have an opportunity to catch, you know, eight, 10 pound trout. That's, that's kind of, kind of what I've been, what I've been up to. Not a whole lot. Otherwise, not a lot of flying, just, just kind of, well, mainly, hanging out with my wife and turkeys and fishing you know it's it's um you said you were watching videos learning how to turkey call and that's the last thing that the turkey population needs is forrest carpenter to pick up a turkey call because every call he picks up he is he becomes an expert at it so uh hearing you say that that that's a bad deal for the for the turkey population um out that way so uh, they better get ready um touching back on on your wife quickly i saw you guys celebrated an anniversary yesterday congratulations i appreciate it man. you guys on that um you guys are a great couple happy and uh, do a lot of fun stuff together which is really really cool looks like she greatly supports you and all your endeavors and your hunting and your travels so um you're a lucky guy Oh man, I'm, I'm, I'm blessed. Uh, you know, not only does she support me in everything I do, but half the time she grabs me by the ear and drags me out to go do it. Cause she enjoys it just as much as I do. So, um, uh, you know, it works out really well and, and, you know, I, I just couldn't be any luckier. That's awesome. You know, talking about the virus and, and everybody's schedule, not really sure kind of what we're looking at or what we're looking ahead. Um, so whenever we do get back to, uh, operating, per usual uh do you have any any calling contest or anything like that uh before we you know kick back off this fall you know it it, a lot of it kind of depends on what happens with the uh the fishing lodge in alaska you know if if things get canceled up there all of a sudden i've got a full summer at home and uh, all sorts of extra time to go try and do that stuff so uh i was real fortunate i was able to win a contest and qualify in utah back just after valentine's day so I'm already set and qualified for the world duck calling contest. Uh, and now I can't blow any, any other sanctioned contests. So, um, I got to look for open contests and there aren't too many of them. They've got one there at, at Rogers that's real big and popular and, and they hold one. Uh, I don't remember if this is a contest year or a meet year down there in Memphis that they hold down there at the Bass Pro Shops pyramid. Um, but, uh, there, there's a few of them scattered about the country, uh, you know, I'll probably try to get into a few goose calling contests here and there, but, you know, traveling all across the country, there's not a whole lot out West, you know, right here in the middle of America. Most of them are, you know, Mississippi flyway and East or along the West coast. And it's a, it's a long way to go for just one goose calling contest. You know, back when I was a kid, when I could blow in, you know, four or five contests through two days, have the chance to really make it worth your while. And the experience is worth your while. And, getting to see everybody is, you know, obviously awesome. And that's the the main highlight of going to these things, but just looking at it from a financial standpoint, it's, it's kind of tough to justify, you know, going to, 
I don't know, Northern Michigan for some, you know, just, just one off calling contest when I'm already, you know, when I can't blow in the duck calling contest, you know, I just get the, the one goose contest, but um, we'll see. So I, I'd like to, I, I guess the answer is uh, nothing's really on the books, but anything that pops up that makes sense. Yeah. I'll, I'll absolutely get out there and go to, uh, and it's an excuse to fly the airplane. So can't argue about that. Not the, um, you know, the Alaska operation that you fly for, if that stays on schedule, when would you be leaving to head up there? Probably uh, the 4th of July. Uh, this year is going to be a, a shorter season for me, um, you know, just stuff here with the family and trying to spend more time at home and uh, really shifting gears and, and you know, making making this dive bomb job my, my number one priority, which has been awesome and, and a really wonderful opportunity for me. Um, you know, it kind of kind of gives me more of a reason to, to spend more time at home. You know, I'm, I'm gone most of the winter now and I don't want to be gone all summer too. So, you know, it, it makes it tough on, on just life in general when you're away from home for eight months out of the year. So uh, this, this summer I, I went up or, or agreed to conditions that only work for, uh, for about half a season. So okay, uh, I'm going to go up there 4th of July through about the first week of September uh, should only be about two months worth, but uh, it'll be good. It's right in the middle of the the busy season, and and then that way they don't have to, you know, find find a new pilot and train them up on all the local areas and most of the places that we're taking people. I mean, they're they're streams that are maybe twice as wide as the floats are on the airplane that you're wow. coming in and, and doing all sorts of S turns on the water and you know, you're, you're loaded up heavy and it, it gets pretty intense sometimes, but it's a lot of fun. And, and, and uh, you know, maybe I'll, I'll try to get some videos up sometime that show a little bit of what I do up there, but it's, it's amazing country. And, and I love it, man. It's there's, there's nothing like it. All of us that are into the outdoors, you know, feel a little bit of a calling for that sense of adventure and there's no place in the world um the least i've been to uh maybe maybe new zealand but uh you know alaska just really it's about this time every year you know march april where where i start hearing the sirens call and and just start daydreaming (laughs) about you know the the adventures that are waiting for me out there whether it's i've been out there fishing and had you know a pair of wolves stalk me uh, you know, I've had caribou run up right behind me and just hang out, uh, you know, I've done a bunch of hiking for, you know, like caribou sheds and spent afternoons eating, you know, wild blueberries on, uh, you know, hillsides up above tree line. I mean, just, just really cool stuff, you know, stuff that you, it, it should be going in a book, not, you know, just being, right. about, you know, there's That's just some really, really cool stuff. So it's, it's awesome. You know, talking about our, our dive bomb and our schedule and how, how loaded down it is. I mean, it's, it's absolutely wall to wall starting. Well, it really starts late, mid, late August when North Dakota opens up early honkers, if everything stays on track, but really starting in September and running through February. I mean, it is absolutely stacked one right after another. Are there any trips on there um, that you're really looking forward to in particular? Yeah, all of them. <laughs> no, they're, uh, it, it's, it's looking great. And, you know, with, with how much fun I had this year, getting to go and, and meet all these people all, all the way across the country, it was just unreal. And I'm really looking forward to going back and, and seeing all the acquaintances and, and friends that I made, uh, last season and, uh, also to meeting a bunch of new people. Um, namely though, I will say I am 
stoked about uh, Alaska and going up and hunting with Charlie Somerville there out in Cold Bay. Um, you know, when, when people look into Alaskan waterfowl, you know, they think about King Eiders and they think about it as a once in a lifetime, super expensive and, and almost impossible to pull off kind of deal. And while that is obviously, you know, one of the main reasons people go up there, uh, something that gets overlooked is all the hunting that there is to be had. And they're in the, the early part of the season where we're going there in September. Um, you know, keep in mind they're, they're right there on the ocean. So the, the waters keep it warmer. They don't actually lock up until most places down in the lower 48, you know, late November-ish. Right. And, uh, you know, in the meantime, that's where all of our birds come from. You know, a, a ton of speckle bellies, all the brant work their way through Cold Bay. And, and even on some of the warmer winters, um, you know, I've heard as, as high as 70% of the brant population actually yeah, stays in Cold yeah. Bay without, uh, without coming down. And uh, obviously, they've got all the sea ducks here. Harlequin, Old Squaw, um, all the scoters, and, and a chance at your your uh, Pacific Eider, um, and we get all the little geese, and that's what I'm excited to go do is is chase solutions and cacklers up there. Um, you know, a lot of guys, you know, are really interested in those little subspecies of of Lesser Canada, and man. I'm, I'm stoked to go see it up there to see the country to have emperor geese around he says they're everywhere and they're always decoying and, and coming and checking out the spread so you know i'm just super excited to go see that kind of country yeah man i mean you you took the words right out of my mouth i i love all of our visits with all of our various god service and outfitters and and making friends and keeping up with them throughout the spring and summer i, I mean i talk to guys every single day but man, I cannot tell you how excited I am about that trip to Cold Bay. Um, you know, with Charlie getting the opportunity to hunt hunt Brand and those numbers and and little Canada geese. Oh man, it just sounds so so cool. And you know, when I was talking to him, he was talking about how they're now offering like self guided packages for hunters that are a little bit more for the you know the DIY type. So you know you do it yourself but a place that remote you kind of need some of the details arranged you know like your lodging your decoys your transportation stuff like that but man i mean doing your own thing is cool but imagine being able to take an affordable trip to alaska for for branton in canada geese um to do something like that i mean what a what a great opportunity i mean canada's cool you know the the prairie pothole region of of, of uh, the united states is cool going off and do it with your buddies it's fun but doing something like that that's like i mean that's like next level awesome oh yeah well and, and i mean just especially you know think about the self-guided deal you know you and a couple buddies go up there charlie sets you up and, and you're sitting down on some rock outcropping somewhere you know in, in remote western alaska you know i mean that's that in itself is pretty awesome then birds start coming you start shooting stuff like barrows golden eyes Old Squaw, Harlequin, I mean, all these, you know, top-notch, dream list kind of ducks. And, you know, you may be sitting there hanging out. And, and uh, you know, one thing that people uh, also overlook is that it's real close to Russia. Uh, you know, there's there's a lot of birds that come over. So you could be sitting there having a great time, and all of a sudden you get a group of five, you know, Eurasian widgeon to come right into your spread. In the U.S., I mean, you know, it's it's not that one in a million bird like down in Washington. They are semi-frequent out there. Uh, same thing with like smew and tufted ducks and all these super cool, um, 
species of waterfowl that we might read about in, in you know, Audubon Society book, but we don't right. ever get a chance to actually see when we're out hunting. Um, and and that, that could just be a casual day out there. Uh, so, you know, you think about the memories that could be made and, and the, the scenery you're going to see. And not only that, but I got to say, you did a great job when you lined this thing up because we are going to be going up in peak silver salmon fishing time. And for your new... That's what I was just about to say, man. I'd be lying man, if I didn't were, admit I was insanely excited about that. You are going to lose your mind. <laughs> Pinks on the fly is nuts. I mean, you're talking about 12 to, to 15, oh, maybe close to 20 pound fish sometimes on a rod. Mm. and. Honestly, I mean, with, with pinks, I, I don't know about everywhere, but a lot of places, if you put something on that's pink in color or, you know, for silvers, I mean, uh, put something on that's pink in color, it doesn't matter if it stinks, they're going to hammer it. And wow. they are, they are super aggressive, hard fighting fish. And, uh, you know, I, just think about the casting blast opportunities. You know, you sit there and, and you could be out there standing in the middle of your decoys casting at salmon, you know, as you're watching waves come up these That's unbelievable, man. Thanks yeah, for just making crazy. the summer like 10 times longer than what it was going to be. Um, yeah, when Charlie, we talked about that and I was like, man, I'm so excited. And then when he was like, dude, you catch all the silver salmon you want at that time, I was like, oh my God, all right, done. You know, it's, this is a done deal. So Golly, I can't wait. Um, while we're on the subject, now's a good time. Just a quick reminder um, that, you you know, we've got it going on right now. If you do purchase 10 dozen decoys during the month of April and, you know, also you've got to follow uh, Charlie's pages, Aleutian Island Waterfowlers on Instagram and Facebook, you're automatically entered uh, into the drawing to join us in Alaska for that week in September for the cast and blast. So, Make sure if you're wanting to get in on that giveaway, you've you've got, a, I don't know, about a week left to enter um, in April. So make sure if you if if that's something that you want to do and maybe you were planning on buying decoys in May or June and it's decoys that we've already got and you're maybe not waiting on anything else. Get in there and buy them because, I mean, th- this opportunity, it's going to be so cool. I can't wait. And, and one of you is going to get to come and, and bring somebody with you. So. Make sure you jump on that. I don't I don't want to take too much other time. I really want to get into um, the the main reason for doing this this podcast here with Forrest. And this is to talk about our new QA series, Field Facts with Forrest. Um, we came out with the first one early this week and we've had an incredible response from it. Uh, I'm gonna just let Forrest talk a minute um, about what exactly we're trying to accomplish with this series. Yeah. So this is, this is a a new and, and it's pretty exciting for me. Um, you know, basically we're, we're doing this series, uh, to answer questions, you know, you and I, and, uh, Cody and Nick Cade, we get blown up all the time on our personal social media pages and all, uh, through email, all that with questions that people are asking. And instead of answering them one by one, uh, you know, slowly turning stuff out, I just, uh, you know, after some prompting, you know, from you and and Cody and and Nick, you know, this has kind of come together pretty well to where we're just going to be answering questions, uh, you know, not only for, you know, uh, beginning type hunters or guys who have been doing it for a few years, you know, starting from, from square number one, but also answering some questions of some of the more uh, experienced guys. So we want to be able to cover things um, 
from, you know, how to pick a shotgun, um, you know, your, your first decoy spread, that kind of thing, uh, all the way up to super advanced techniques and doing things uh, that'll help differentiate yourself and differentiate your spread from other spreads in your area, um, how to manage things, uh, hunting ethics. I mean, we're, we're going to cover everything. And, uh, you know, like you say, the response has been awesome. My email has been blowing up nonstop since, uh, you know, since that aired. And, um, you know, just so you guys know what to expect. Um, and, and if you want to submit your questions, make sure you submit them to me at my email, which is forest, F-O-R-R-E-S-T, at diebombindustries.com. And when you do that, um, you know, I'm going to take your question, I'll put it on a list. And if it's not already on the list of something I'm going to use in an episode, um, I'll, I'll put it on there. And, and I will also give you kind of a summarized deal. Uh, and I'm, I'm trying to give you as much information as I can without throwing, you know, the whole kitchen sink at you. So usually it's, it's a couple paragraphs worth and I may need to, you know, have a couple question answered on your end where I can kind of cater it to your specific area. But not only will I try to answer it on the, uh, the video series, but I'm also going to give you something personal. So feel free to send that stuff to me. Um, you know, I try to get to it as fast as I can right now in the off season, it works out pretty well. And you know, I'm kind of cooped up right now and uh, be able to answer all those emails pretty quickly as, as hunting season rolls along. It may be a little bit tougher to, to get back to you within a few hours or, or within the uh, within the day. But, um, you know, keep them coming. This is something we, that we don't see being a, a short lived deal. We plan on running this series well, until we run out of hunting questions, which is probably never. So we're, we're just going to keep running this. I'm going to keep answering your questions. Um, when you do send stuff to me, um, make sure to let me know where you're hunting as well. You know, I get a lot of guys asking about, you know, does this spread look good or is this going to be adequate? I don't know. You know, I need to know where you are, what kind of bird you're hunting. If you're hunting graders, lessers, um, you know, there, there's all sorts of stuff that goes into it. So make sure you send me a few of those details. It makes things a little bit easier. And, and also, you know, I'm not going to claim to be your magic eight ball. That's going to give you all the answers that you could ever dream of. But, uh, you know, I've been very fortunate to hunt a lot of places in the country and I've learned from some of the best hunters there are and some of the most experienced guides of West coast to East coast. I'm good friends with a lot of people. And if I don't have an answer for you, um, I will either call these people and get a knowledgeable answer, or, uh, I may even just direct you to them to, uh, to actually reach out as well as going ahead and, and reaching out for myself. So I can answer that mm -hmm. question better and put it on an episode. So really the, the whole point of the series is just to, to help y'all out. You know, you, you may have questions about hunting with silhouettes or socks or, or any of this stuff or, or just general hunting questions. And, you know, we're in a position where we have the opportunity to help you out. And I like to tell people, uh, because it's it's the God's honest truth, this is kind of our way of, of just helping take care of you guys. You know, it's it's our way to say thank you for all your support and for running our stuff and, uh, you know, you know, doing everything you do on social media for us and, and just interacting with us and, and really helping our business grow. So it's, it's just kind of our way to say thank you and, and try to help take care of y'all. No, I, I think, I think you, you said it best when you said, uh, um, you know, we're not dive bomb, whether it be Forrest, myself through the fan page or Nick or Cody, Cade, any of us, we're not, none of us are claiming to be the, the self-proclaimed saviors to waterfowl hunting. That's, that's not what we're doing, but what we can do is like Forrest said, our, our learning curve in this sport, has been greatly, greatly accelerated by the people that we've been able to spend time around in the amount 
that we get to travel and hunt in different places. We get to learn from guys that know the areas and the birds they're hunting like nobody knows these birds in the world. And we take that information and we use it to help other people get better. And like Forrest said, if if there's if if I'm giving you an answer to a question or Forrest or any of our guys, if we don't know the answer, we're not going to just spew some bullshit just to give you an answer. We are going to speak to the appropriate individual and we're going to give you the best answer we can based on where you are located. That's why every time I see somebody ask a question, I say, hey, give me some details and I can get you a better answer if you can give me, get a little bit deeper with me. Tell me where you're hunting. Let's talk about, let's talk about your most common situation that you're hunting. Are you hunting, are you edge hiding in an A-frame? Are you hunting layout blinds for giant Canada geese? Are you hunting in the spread for snow geese or lessers or, or where are you? Where are you hunting? Where, uh, what, what is your spread currently made up of? How have you done things in the past? And if you can provide us with some details, that's when we can really, really start to, to make a fully rounded answer that can apply to your situation. And like Forrest said, it's not saying that this is going to be the 100% fail-proof answer, but this is going to be an answer based off of previous experience, either with ourselves or somebody that we know or that we've talked to. So I can't, I can't tell you how many times we get asked, like, how many, how many decoys do I need? Or can I run your M1 Mallards on cheat water? You know, it's like, hey, man, be like, hey, my name's Mark. I live in, um, you know, southern Manitoba. I'm typically hunting giant Canada geese. I'm currently running five dozen V2Fs, two dozen full bodies, and a dozen shells. I, we hunt layout blinds. I normally hunt with four to six guys blah, blah, this or that, like give us some details and we can give you some answers on what you need, whether you say, how many black and whites do I need? Or how many S5Fs do I need to hide our six guys that we hunt with typically out of the spread for lessers in, you know, Kansas or Oklahoma or Texas. So give us some details. Also, like Forrest said, email your questions to him. If you can put your name, your hunting location in there, that's awesome. Details. Detailed questions are the one that's going to get chosen. If your question is used in one of our videos, give us your name, give us your location. And as a, as an appreciation for you participating in this and, and um, getting engaged in the conversation with us, we're going to send you a hat from Dive Bomb Industries. So if your question gets chosen in our YouTube series, we're going to send you a hat. So that's, that's just kind of a thank you for saying, Hey man, thanks for taking the time to, to send this email. Because like we've said a million times, when you buy decoys from us, we don't want it just to be like, ah, you bought our decoys and and we're done with them. We got their money. It's like, no, what we want is if you're running our decoys, we want you to be successful over our decoys. If you spent your money with us, we want you to be successful. I mean, you know, Forrest, you being, um, you know, having the, the opportunity to you know, even well before Dive Bomb. I mean, you, you've spent a lot of time uh, guiding and, like you said, learning around the best in the industry. You're spending, what, a lot of years? You probably spent 100-plus days in the field in yeah. one year. Would that be accurate? I think we're – oh, gosh. Um, 
I guess it's going to be about, uh, this is going to be my 14th year of hunting 100 plus days. So, you know, it's, I've, I've been fortunate. I've been hunting a lot. And even before I was hunting that much, you know, I, as a young kid in the contest calling world, I made some really great friends uh, who knew what they were doing. And, uh, you know, those are, those are the brains I've been picking forever. You know, some of the guys who do it better than most, you know, I've been really fortunate to, to know them and, you know, guys like uh, got, Tim grounds, man. I mean, he was, he was my second dad and he, you know, he, he really stepped in as a, as a, you know, family member when I was going through some hard times and, you know, I've, I've been picking his brain about everything from, you know, shooting geese to bass fishing since I was 14 years old. So, you know, I, I, again, you know, don't take everything I say like the gospel, um, because every situation is going to be different, but just, you know, if, if, if you want an opinion, I am more than happy to do whatever I can to, to help you guys out. Because when it comes down to it, we're all in this for the sport of hunting and for conservation. Uh, and we want this to carry on and it's not going to carry on if we keep this attitude, um, you know, that, that so many guys do about, you know, this is mine. These are my secrets. I don't want anyone else knowing this stuff. No, we, we need to grow the sport. And, you know, that's what I want to do. You know, if I can help you, like, like we say, the most basic question to the most advanced question, hit me. And if I don't have an answer, I'll tell you, I don't have an answer and we'll look into it together. But, um, you know, I will, uh, I will do my very best to just help you get a leg up and, uh, and try to make your hunting seasons a little bit better. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. That, that's all we're trying to do guys is we just want to, we want to help you the best we can. And there's a lot of stuff that, that we may be able to learn through you as well. Um, that we've maybe overlooked or passed over and, um, but, but details, give us some details and we can give you a detailed answer. Now, Forrest, is there any questions kind of off the top of your head, the really, really common ones that you can think of, maybe a, a little sneak peek into um, what we could possibly be seeing in, in the coming episodes? Man, it's hard to sift through because it seems like every question we get, we get 200 times. Um, right, right. I will say, uh, you know, episode two is going to cover another one of our big ones uh, and the differences between hunting uh, greater and lesser Canada's. Um, so that's going to be in depth. And that one, and I, I kind of went really in depth. So it's going to be pretty long. I think the, uh, the filming was just 45 minutes in itself. So it, it's going to be a lot, but there's a lot of information in there on spreads, calling, uh, you name it. I tried to go pretty in depth to cover a lot of the questions that we get. Um, another big one, especially coming out of Arkansas, uh, is, uh, you know, with, with the speckle belly hunting growing down there and with the high population of both specks and snow geese, guys are wanting to know how to run spreads for specks and snows or just specks or just snows. Um, and they're, they're curious about sheet water, dry fields, all that. Um, so that, that may take a couple episodes to cover because that's a pretty broad topic, but, uh, right. we'll be touching on that. Um, I've gotten a lot of questions about calling, uh, a lot of when to call, how to call, you know, what call should I pick? How do I choose a call? That kind of stuff. So uh, we're going to have a, another few episodes. We'll probably do one that's in-depth on duck calling, then one that's in-depth on calling greater candidates, lesser candidates, speckle bellies, et cetera. Um, so there's, there's a whole lot of really good stuff that's going to be coming up. 
Um, and I, I think it's going to be pretty interesting for you guys. And I think right now uh, the schedule we're working with is trying to get one out every other week. Um, so, you know, over the course of a year, we'll probably do 25 or 26 of them. And, um, you know, we, we may do more here, uh, you know, in, in certain periods. And I know I'm, I'm going to try to get a whole bunch done this summer. So you guys have a lot of answers to these questions before hunting season rolls around. Um, but even through hunting season, you know, if, if we're out in the field and, uh, you know, hunting with someone and, and we come across something that's pretty exciting or a hunt that really fit a uh, question that we've been going over, we'll probably, uh, you know, film right there from the field too. So, uh, you know, again, I just want to emphasize, you know, don't feel like this is, you know, just a, a seasonal thing or a, a short-term thing. This is something that we're going to be doing for a while. And, you know, that uh, I don't think I'm a scary guy. You know, I, I don't want you guys to, to hesitate or be nervous to reach out and throw throw anything you have at me. And, uh, you know, like I say, I'll, I'll answer it the best I can and, and try to give you a leg up. All right. I'm going to put you on the spot with the, I need the short answer because this question could probably take about i don't know 30 or 45 minutes if you really wanted to and i get it a lot can you use socks in your spread when you're hunting giant canada geese you really didn't pick that. <laughs> yeah yeah all right so <laughs> but there's so many variables guys uh, that, that's why that's why we're using this series to to do this and take some time to break it down because the number of variables in waterfowl hunting that's why that's why I want to do that because you can't just sit there and say yes and you can't sit there and say no like Forrest would have to go into some sort of talking point to answer that question that's why I was like give me a yes or no answer well you cannot do it guys we cannot there's so many questions in this sport that we get asked that it's really really hard to answer in a small four or five sentences on, on Facebook or, or um, just in a, a, in one word, it's just not possible guys. Like you can't do it. So that's the main reason I wanted to do that is I just wanted to say, Hey guys, give us some details and we're going to use this series to break down some of these really, really, really complicated questions. Um, but I like that. That was, that, that was a good one, man. You, you had me sweating. I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> I'm long as it is, you know, you try to tell me to get something like that in just a couple seconds. There's no shot. It, it's not happening. You absolutely no. can't do it. And, um, well, you know, we love the questions. We love the engagement and, and we love talking ab about this stuff and, uh, and, and just relaying the information the best that we possibly can. You know, another thing that, that we get asked a lot and we'll touch on it is, you know, uh, we have helped lead a huge resurgence in, in the silhouette decoy industry. It's been going on for um, almost a hundred years now. I mean, the earliest records I can find is, is like the early thirties. They were using like railroad strike uh, spikes in 10 and you know, it's 2020, you know, we're, we're, we're coming up on, it's legitimately probably been a hundred years. It's when they outlawed live decoys as uh, the first records that I could find, but people were saying, Hey, with, with the resurgence of, of the you know the silhouette decoys are birds going to get used to them are they going to get used to these decoys like if other people are using using them are they going to get used to them i um you know we we can touch on that in, in an episode and we can get we can get pretty deep on that but i can give you a short answer on that one and the answer is no um 
from the beginning of time until the end of time, birds are always going to see and they're going to see 2D. They're going to have binocular vision. That's not going to change. Now, can birds get used to trends that hunters are doing and how they're setting spreads and things that look out of place in a field that they were feeding in the day before? Absolutely. Pressure, pressure, pressure. Pressure is everything. Pressure is the number one factor in success with with waterfowl hunting. I mean, obviously, you, you've got your two things that you have to do before you do anything else in waterfowl hunting. And number one, that's get on the X. And number two is get covered up. All these other questions are accessories that can be answered to those two things. But the reason I put getting on the X, I would, I would like to put getting covered up being number one, but it don't matter if you're covered up, if you're not on the X and you don't have any birds to kill. So that's why we're going to put getting on the X number one, because you got to have the birds to shoot first. Then you got to get covered up. And then all these other things that we're talking about with spreads or can I mix this? Can I mix that? Can I run an A-frame? Can I lay in the spread? Are they getting used to that? Everything is dependent on pressure, 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 pressure. It's everything in waterfowl hunting and all these other little accessories that we can help you out through these questions can help you navigate around pressure that birds are receiving and how you can do things to increase your chance of success in the field. Yeah. I mean, that, that wraps it up really well. And, you know, I agree. I, I think one of the best ways to put it is that birds get conditioned to being hunted, hunted a certain way. And, you know, there's no answer that's going to work day in and day out unless you have live decoys, which, you know, obviously not much of an option. Um, so, you know, just, just make sure. And, and one of the things that I'll throw a little thing out there that I've been telling pretty much everybody that's emailed me is save a trick, you know, keep something up your sleeve, um, you know, hunt the right way, manage your birds as if you're the only one hunting them. Uh, and then, you know, maybe share some of your thoughts. You know, there's, there's all sorts of stuff that I'm going to go into later on, on speckle belly hunting and, you know, stuff like where I was in, in Texas hunting, you know, 30 square miles, it's the same group of birds you're shooting at the vast majority of the year. You know, the specs show up in October. They're there until end of January. They really start heading north. Um, you know, in the Canada's when they come, they're they're the ones that are kind of traveling a little bit. But, you know, you're hunting that same group of birds throughout the entire year, and you got to be able to show them something different. So, you know, think about having different tricks up your sleeve. Don't do the same thing every day. Uh, and, and like Asher says, man, be hidden. That is... As long as you're under birds and you have a chance at working birds, I think that's when that, you know, that that's what we would call being on the X, you know, give yourself the opportunity. You know, you don't have to be right in the field where they are. Obviously that's ideal, but you know, there's, there's a lot of places where that's not an option. Uh, but once you've gotten to the point where, you know, you're not in the middle of Kansas in the prairie somewhere, you know, 60 miles from water where there isn't waterfowl to be found, you know, definitely be hit. Right. Yeah. I mean, there's, Going back to variables, I mean, you talk about the difference in hunting wintering birds and staging birds and hunting migrating birds. It's just a lot of, lot of variables, and that's why letting us know where you're at, what you're doing, um, we, can, we can help with that stuff. You know, one of the biggest things that I learned from Forrest is, is everybody likes to shoot them naturally. Everybody likes to shoot them right in the face. Like, it's, it's, it's fun. It's fun to do that. But learning from somebody like Forrest that does have so much experience hunting wintering birds and the same birds, like it, it was totally invaluable learning 
how to shoot birds on a crosswind or shooting them even maybe slightly quartered away from you. Um, getting their eyes off of you and doing something different that every other Tom, Dick and Harry is doing in the area where they've got the full on death trap coming right to the blind at the base of it. So I learned that from Forrest um, and just just seeing the effectiveness of that on on pressured birds is is absolutely awesome. So, you know, being able to do things different, like he said, keep something in your back pocket, something you can go to or or uh, just a way to make yourself different from from everybody else in the area. So we're going to do everything we can to help touch on on all these different topics as deep as we possibly can and hopefully you you see the uh success in the fall when you maybe start applying these things maybe you see start to see it translate a little bit and that's ultimately our goal is to help you be more successful in the field so forrest do you have anything else to add man not really. I just, you know, thanks for listening. And, and again, you know, thanks to everybody who's out there repping a dive bomb hat or shirt or sticker on your truck or, or camera case or whatever. You know, we, we we wouldn't be able to do it without you guys. And, and we really appreciate the support. Keep the questions coming again for us at divebombindustries.com. And, uh, and and we'll do our best to help you out. Thanks a bunch. Thanks, Forrest. Man, we're we're so lucky to have Forrest. We have an awesome, awesome staff with Dive Bomb Industries. I wouldn't, I couldn't, pick anybody else I'd rather work with. We're so lucky to have obviously Cody as our front man and and we've got Nick and we've got Kate and and Forrest is is awesome. He's such a strong asset to Dive Bomb Ministries and we appreciate him. We think this series is going to be absolutely killer especially for you guys that really just want to make yourself better waterfowl hunters. So like we said we're not, we, we, we can't be the magic eight ball, but we can use our experience and our travels and the people that we have met along the way to pass that information on and, and help others in the field. So we appreciate you guys listening. Thank you for going to our YouTube page, watching those videos, subscribing. Thank you for your engagement in our Facebook group, the Dive Bomb Ministries Forum and fan page. Everybody that follows us on Instagram snapchat we've got a tiktok now yeah we jumped in that and uh so we're everywhere man um but but we're so excited about this series this thing is something we talked about for a little bit and forest is absolutely perfect for it so we're we can't wait to bring you more and more and just keep taking your questions taking your questions and watching the excitement build around it so we hope you guys stay safe stay healthy we look forward to everything getting back to normal. I know some of you lucky son of guns up north of the border shooting geese up there. Don't act like you're not because I've been watching it. Y'all aren't social distancing. Y'all's layout blinds are like a foot apart. No, I'm just kidding. But we're really jealous. You guys keep having fun up there. We're ready for everything to just kind of get back to normal. Go out to eat with our friends and families and have cookouts and forest. Thanks for joining us, man. I'll talk to you soon. Y'all be good. Thank you for listening to the Dive Bomb Squadcast. Thank you.